Hello there. Victoria, allow me to send you my most sincere felicitations and greetings because you are a star of international diplomacy, I believe. <laughs> international indiscretion. <laughs> I hear you are very indiscreet with the Italian delegation. <laughs> Why ambassador? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have that thought many times at the G7 summit. Did he spoil you with his nut-covered balls? <laughs> his chocolate salty balls. <laughs> yeah, excitement and felicitations. <laughs> <laughs> so what are we talking about this week? Oh, I've, just, oh. I've just returned from Cornwall. Oh, all right, my lover. Kerbis Bay. That's Bristol, isn't it, really? Not Cornwall. Yeah, it's all a bit rounded errors, though. Right, so you've been sevening with the G... <laughs> Very good. Welcome to our podcast, everyone. We miss you. <laughs> Seven to the G to the M to the V. <laughs> oh, dear. Sorry about him. <laughs> I'm Ben Ando. I'm a former BBC News correspondent who's, I think, actually getting more childish the older I get. I don't know about that. You can be grown up and boring, too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's all right. I'm Victoria Mitzi. I'm here to make Bernando's life a misery. As well as that, I do a bit of journalism, a bit of media officering. Oh, God. And a bit of other officering, but I'm not going to disclose that. How are you all? I miss you when we're bi-weekly. Hooray. I like what have we got in store for you lovelies today? <clears throat> I'm bi-weekly curious. <laughs> There's nothing curious about you. Yeah, that's true. I'm utterly incurious about everything. What does our podcast do? <clears throat> what are we doing this week in our podcast? We're doing a bit of true crime because there's um, a Devon, partly Plymouth-based story. Devon knows how they make it so creamy. Of a killer who was found guilty of two murders which were 21 years apart that might ring some bells for some of you we'll go into that a bit later again dependent on dna as are a lot of the cases that we deal with uh, we're going to take a look at that and um what else have we got ben well i want to hear all about your g7 adventures <laughs> i bet you do there are far more than seven people there, though. I mean, that was a bit of a surprise when I turned up. Loads of us. <laughs> it's me, everyone. I'm here. <laughs> I thought there were going to be seven Italians with which I'd be partaking in fine dining. But then Joe Biden turned up. <laughs> yeah. I did what get a look at all the first ladies, Didn't though. Which Donald really Trump good. used to call him Sleepy Joe. Did he? I didn't know that. I think that's what he called him, yeah. Not Fat Joe. <laughs> no, not Fat Joe. Not Big Joe. <laughs> not Joe DiMaggio. <laughs> Joe DiBiggio. <De> <laughs> Joe DiSnoozio. Oh, we've also, also got a story which I wonder why it caught your attention, Bird. <laughs> I don't know. It's because I'm mm. a COVID denier, obviously. <laughs> you are. Um, mm. Although I think you, you're denying having it. I think I have had it. I think I had it last year. I can't all the just FYI everybody. I love I love people who say FYI everybody like that. I've been wanting to say it forever. I cut Ben's COVID coughs out of the podcast, but now I'm just going to lift the lid off it. And let Here you we go. Do, do you want a, do you want a nice cough? <coughs> there you go. That's just for you. I get enough of them already. 
my COVID coughs. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I had my COVID cough sweets. That I ate like sweets instead of medicine. Oh, yes. And, and uh, we all know what it does to you. Look at the state of you now. Let's go into rehab for too many <laughs> lockets. <laughs> I'm, I'm hyper because I'm mainlining cough sweets. <laughs> He's having it. <laughs> He's having them. <laughs> I want you to tell me all about Gary Allen. Hold your horses, because I just want to say how you saw how we were looking at that maskless man who got in trouble for it story, which you sent to me incidentally, and then you got so distracted by a furious woman thrown out of Weatherspoons <laughs> for wearing inappropriate top. And then it has all these like slowly tarty women with all their boobs falling out. And then we couldn't tear you away. You're like, oh, let's do this one. Let's do this one. <laughs> I didn't say let's do this one at all. <laughs> Your eyes did. Because... <laughs> Don't forget, listeners, I can see Ben and Ben can see I. Can you? Yes. I was, I was looking at the internet. I wasn't looking at you. These days, Ben, there's these, there are these things called video calls. <laughs> yeah, <that laughs> You're really a, bad at them. That was like science fiction in like 1975. Everybody's going to have video conference uh, calls in like the future. And now here they on are. On their watches and who yeah. they are. But where are, the, where are the flying cars and the moon and stuff and holidays on the moon? and? I've got a computer yeah, on my wrist. That's pretty good. Yeah, but you can't go to the moon, can you? Everyone's gone to the moon. <laughs> Why do you dwell on the things I can't do? Because that's you got to be more I positive. <laughs> I can fly you to the moon. Gary Allen. No relative of Lily. I'll make my joke again, <laughs> shall I? <laughs> Although maybe a very distant relative. You never know with DNA. But I tell you what, he has got. Nicely. He's got. Mm. Um, he could actually be a local radio DJ because he's got one of those local radio DJ names that's that's basically two Christian names. I'm so glad you brought that up. I did actually think it when I was reading. Like uh, you know, David John Tony Paul. You're obsessed with that, and you, the other thing you're obsessed with is hairdressers' names like Skizzers with yeah. a Z, headmasters, or a Z. <laughs> yeah, or a crazy cut cuts. <laughs> there was one in Stratford up on Avon called Coiffeur by David. It was what? And every time I went, Coiffeur by David. Coiffeur by David. <laughs> that is a good one. The that word one Coiffeur like. in English is fantastic. <laughs> uh, although, let's have a look at Gary Allen and his Coiffeur. He's got quite a bonnet. Do you have, I've noticed, right, as soon as someone commits a crime, they take a picture of them how they used to look. And with these crimes, which have got such a big time lapse in between them you know doing it and then them being caught you notice the aging process is really not being kind i don't think you can kill people and relax about it afterwards even if you are a bit crappy thing about gary bit... allen here i mean his schoolboy error he's made there is that he had a little sort of gingery goatee beard in 1998 when they were definitely not in style and now in 2018 when he's having his mugshot done and he's lost his hair, he's now not got his beard, but it actually would suit him. These people have to take a look at their PR, really, yeah, they do. don't they? Anyway, he's a dangerous and violent man. He walked free from court 20 years ago when jurors cleared him of murder. But police reporters and victims who survived his wrath never doubted his guilt. It would take two decades of investigations, a change in the law and the testimony of a woman who fought for her life when the two came face to face to finally cage the killer who nearly got away with murder. So let's go back to uh, 1997 and three schoolchildren find the body of 
29-year-old Samantha Class, a sex worker uh, on the banks of the River Humber, um, on Humber side. Now, he was arrested and he was charged with murdering Samantha Class, um, but he was acquitted in 2000. And her family were completely sure that he had done it, but he was acquitted by a jury, and in theory, that was that. Um, but of course, we got rid of the double jeopardy rule um, some time ago. Alina Grlakova, who is 38 years old, now she was abducted in Rotherham, and her body was found uh, in Rotherham in a stream four months later in April 2019. Now, jurors in the second trial, um, when he was accused of murdering um, Elena Grelakova, found that he had he had spoken to probation officers about a hatred of prostitutes who he branded as scum. So after he was he is acquitted of um, Samantha Glass's murder, uh, he then in 2018 abducts uh, another prostitute, uh, 38-year-old Elena Grelakova, um, and she her body found in April 2019, four months after she disappeared and is reported missing, in a stream in Rotherham. Uh, now, both women were sex workers, and um, Gary Allen had spoken to probation officers of his hatred for prostitutes. And just weeks after he had been acquitted of murdering Samantha Class in 2000, he had assaulted two sex workers in separate attacks in Plymouth. And for that, he was convicted and jailed. So after he'd served his sentence for those assaults, when he was released in 2010, uh, a Humberside police sting was launched involving seven officers to monitor him and gather further evidence about the murder of Miss Class, even though he had been acquitted of it, they were so sure he had done it. And he made admissions to an undercover officer known as Ian about his account, his encounter with a sex worker who he had strangled and dumped in the Humber. Now, uh, when he was charged with murdering Elena Golnakova, he was also charged a second time with murdering Samantha Class. And the reason for that was the Humberside police were able to convince the court that significant, substantial and compelling new evidence had been gathered. So he was his his. His acquittal was quashed at the Court of Appeal in 2019, so he could be charged with the second murder of Samantha Class. And what's happened now, having been convicted of both these murders now, um, South Yorkshire Police say its inquiries into uh, Gary Allen is continuing, and it is writing to other police forces around the UK to check whether any unsolved murder cases and attacks could be linked to him. And interestingly, we were talking about the double jeopardy um, legal changes regarding the Babes in the Wood trial with Paul Cheston, weren't we? Only a That's few right. weeks ago. Well, now it's kind of quite a few weeks ago because we're bi-weekly. Yes, and so that was in the case of uh, the murders of Karen Hadaway and Nicola Fellows in Brighton by Russell Bishop, who, of course, whose case was affected by the double jeopardy, lifting of the double jeopardy yeah. law. So, you know, this has affected this case as well. And it essentially allowed the law to catch up with a double killer. So these murders, 21 years apart, were linked by DNA. And that effectively led them to the young mother's strangulation. And prosecutors then showed that he was a liar. And first of all, he walked free in February 2000. 
and then as you said that he was he was part of that sting which caused him to disclose the murder of class Samantha Class. I mean, the interesting thing here as well is the testimony from um, Melanie. She, this is not her real name. It was the name she was given in court. Um, she was one of the sex workers in Plymouth who had given, uh, who had encountered Gary Allen and given evidence against him. And what she told the court was that um, she had been working uh, when she was age 24 in April 2000. She'd been approached by a man she said was lingering around looking for business. Um, yards away from the hubbub of Union Street in Plymouth's Stonehouse Street area, which at the time, back in 2000, was notorious um, for red light activity. Now, this customer had a blue coat, jeans, and long swept back hair with a bit of stubble on his face. They agreed a price and walked to a quiet part of the street, holding hands as they passed a police van so they'd look like a couple. Now, when Melanie asked to be paid up front, the man's demeanour switched and he grabbed her by the neck. He was calling me awful names. It was just rage. He obviously wanted to hurt me bad, she said. He got me in a headlock, dragged me back and I fell on the floor. Then he was just punching me in the back of my head. He tried to put his whole fist in my mouth, so I bit him. He still carried on hitting me and I was just screaming, someone help, someone help, screaming and screaming. Now this noise drew the attention of a nearby policeman and spooked the attacker ran away and pushed an officer to the floor before he was caught. Had it not been for that police officer, Melanie, who is now aged 45, believes she wouldn't be alive today. She says, I don't know where I got the strength from that night, but I was fighting for my life. I knew if I didn't get away, I would be killed. Now, her assailant was charged and sentenced to five years in prison for attacking her and another sex worker. And the day she gave evidence at Plymouth Crown Court, Melanie was shocked to learn from a contact in the police about the man's dark secret a murder charge from which he had walked free. And she wasn't obviously his first victim. And of course she wouldn't be his last either. And so um, her testimony there um, is part of what finally put Gary Allen behind bars. And after his initial acquittal, an interesting interjection into the unfolding of the story, which is as it's quite complex, isn't it? When he walked out of court, a free man initially, he was given some money and dropped off at Sheffield train station, and he was told to get as far away from Yorkshire as possible, says a, a crime reporter, Lisa Welton, at the Hull Daily Mail, and she covered the original trial for the newspaper, and she also published an exclusive story based on a leaked social services report which revealed Alan's history of violence. It also revealed he was referred to a child psychiatrist at the age of eight for aggressive mm. behaviour towards his younger siblings. And at 14, he attacked his mother with an iron bar while she was recovering from an operation. And in another attack which bore the chilling hallmarks of his subsequent assaults he grabbed a schoolgirl by I mean, the, the signs were all there and hit her on the head that was his trademark wasn't it to punch women in the head and hold them by the throat so how terrifying i've just thought in the the story that that has unfolded about this man he's done this to numerous different women also walked free after he'd murdered but how terrifying it must be to have that you know you would have serious life issues wouldn't you after that happened to you how awful yeah for sure so so melanie has said described how the after effects of her ordeal meant that within 12 months she quit the sex industry because she didn't feel safe and she says that 
you know, he what he did actually kind of warnings were posted on websites used by escorts and sex workers. And she said that women she worked with were petrified once news of his acquittal for murder in 2000 spread. Now, um, he, he, he served 10 years, well, nearly 10 years in prison. Um, in fact, extra time had been added on for various breaches, including the removal of an electronic tag and going on the run in 2004 after release from license. And in 2010, he moved to Grimsby at which point, this is when Humberside Police launched this, this undercover operation, which they called Operation Misty. Um, and it lasted a year. And, Misty. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> and, and it was an effort to obviously see if they could somehow uh, get him to uh, admit to it, get new evidence, uh, get, him, get a confession, uh, because double jeopardy laws in the UK were scrapped in 2003. So if they could get significant evidence, they could quash his conviction and, and a retrial could be ordered. So as I said before, seven undercover officers posed as kind of shady criminal underworld characters. And in turn, they befriended Alan using various cover stories, techniques such as staging illicit deliveries and burning bloodied clothes to gain his trust. And among 400 hours of secret recordings came the breakthrough they'd been waiting for a confession. During a conversation um, that was recorded in February 2011 by an undercover officer, Alan admitted to strangling a sex worker who he then said he dumped in the Humber. That's just the way I was then, he added casually. I love that line. I know. But the, the, but the recorded admissions alone weren't enough. They needed more compelling evidence to get a retrial. Um, they needed more scientific evidence. They needed more forensic evidence. But of course, the real tragedy is that the evidence they did need came eight years later when... Um, Alan struck again and murdered Elena Gerlakova, um, who uh, who was found, as I said, four months after she disappeared. Now, she was a mother of four. She was from Slovakia. She had moved to the UK in 2008. Um, and at the time of her death, her four children were aged between 12 and 19. Um, she had developed a drug habit. She had become a sex worker. She met Gary Allen in the Parkgate area of Rotherham, um, where he had moved in 2012, following further stints in prison for breaching a sexual offences prevention order. They developed a friendship, and he, she regularly visited his home. Uh, a month after she was reported missing by her husband, he was back in custody for further breaches of his orders. And then following that arrest, the police found various gadgets, including a mobile phone, which was found to contain a series of images of women found dead in a similar way to Ms. Gerlakova. They also recovered audio recordings he had made of conversations with her in which he could be, he could be heard shouting, get out or I'm going to chuck you out. Now his neighbor, her neighbors, sorry, his neighbors, allowed the police uh, to see CCTV footage they had, which was taken from their property, which showed her going in and out of his home. They couldn't recall seeing her, but they said Alan was a man who they hardly ever saw and kept to himself. Now, a few days after the police visited them to review their CCTV, uh, the homeowner there said the drains became blocked at their home and some neighbor's properties. And when the, that blockage was cleared. It was a, found to be a football-sized ball of wet wipes. Police told the couple it was from Gary Allen's flat where he'd been wiping everything down. So now the police are starting to put together evidence which uh, enabled them to go to the Court of Appeal and get uh, permission to have a retrial uh, of Gary Allen. 
And at this point, he was put on trial for two murders. And of course, he has now been found guilty and convicted. Throw away the key. He doesn't well, he sound think... like he also, on top of the fact of being like doing these horrific things, he also just sounds like a total wet blanket. These guys come in and he was just trying to, you know, the, the undercover cops. And then he's just trying to be one of the guys. And his like obvious contempt for all women, especially the most vulnerable, who are the only ones he can get his hands on. It shines through in his sort of like sad showing off. What a total loser. Yeah, I mean, just a horrible, horrible, nasty piece of work. Really, really awful. Um, yes, um, so if there is any kind of good thing that comes out of this, it's um, that Melanie's story is that, you know, the prospect of him spending the rest of his life behind bars is a huge relief to her. And although she's yet to feel completely liberated from the pain he inflicted on her more than two decades ago, she said she's been clean off drugs now for nearly 13 years. She feels that she has turned her chaotic life around. And although she still needs medication to help her with sleeplessness, anxiety and depression, she feels like she is at last going to get the chance to move on with her life. Yeah, you're right. There, there are often these kind of breakthroughs in, in that kind of way, but it's not easy. It's not. No, absolutely. But that's that story. Now I want to hear all about you and the G7. Well, essentially, it was um, a very busy time with very little you've got, sleep. No, you've got a blab. Come on. What were you there to do? Mm. Well, I was there to have a look at what the first ladies were wearing. <laughs> what well, did you see Carrie Simmons's blue trouser suit <laughs> I actually didn't see her close up in that one I saw her in her sort of floaty dress okay and I thought yeah. she looked really good um and the hair and the makeup on Mrs Biden was and um and Macron's first lady as well uh they were they just looked amazing I mean, they're, they're ladies who aren't, you know, 18-year-olds, and they look so good. That's not what we want. We want bitchiness. Uh, well, I, I actually bumped into Boris, literally, and he didn't know where he was going. And I was like, oh, is, you know what you do? Like, sometimes you're like, oh, hi, and you're really cool when, when you meet someone who you think everyone else, like, arse licks them. And then um, with, with Boris, I just went, Hello? <laughs> <laughs> when he bumped into me because I was relying on, on somebody on. else to show him I, where I, to go I but no one else was him, there didn't you he didn't bump into you you bumped into him <laughs> I was doing oh, my sorry bump. Boris did I just bump into you Boris I'm sorry Boris because I hear there is a vacant position you know in his team because now he's got Which married team? to Carrie si well now he's got married to Carrie Simons the um the, the job of mistress to Boris Johnson is, oh, is currently true. vacant that's true, but who knows what denomination of individual he would like for a mistress? And I don't think I put myself up for it because I'm about the same height as him. Are <laughs> you really? Is he short? I don't know. Yeah. I've, I've, I'm just oh, trying to think. thank I you. Have seen I'm him. not short. No, well, okay, so no. Also, he's... I don't go for all that kind of chaotic <laughs> and and the hairdo leading the image as well. It just doesn't work for me. Oh, do you like a a, a man to be slightly better groomed? No, I don't care about that. It's just that foppishness that doesn't get me going you don't like a foppy man not a not a foppy poppy <laughs> <laughs> um, and he just kind of gives this whole and if he's hamming it up then that's just quite sad i think people who know him say it's all a big act though this sort of like um oh you know bumbling idiot thing it's just an act to sort of put people and all um, he does we saw his real character haven't we with dominic cummings 
<laughs> yeah, that's fucking right. assholes. None of them can fucking do anything. <laughs> fucking useless. Absolutely, we have seen. <laughs> Are you useless? I don't think so. <laughs> what do you say? Anyway, ben? come on, I Someone's want to hear all about the Italian delegation. And who, then you, the press are shouting who, at you, are you useless? What would you say? I say, no, I don't think I am useless. I'm useful, <laughs> very useful. I'm as I'm as useful as Andrew. Is it Andrew Lloyd Webber's really useful company? Or was that, no, it was Prince Edward, wasn't it? Prince Edward used to have the really useful company. I never knew that. What did it do? Well, I don't know. It was so useless. I, I think obvi- yeah, obviously, you, completely If you say useless. that you're really useful, it kind of implies... You have to tell people you're really... It's like... Um, if you're in charge, if you have to tell people you're in charge, then you're not in charge. If you have to tell people you're useful, you really aren't. <laughs> oh, don't. I can't laugh too hard at that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what do you want to hear, did you say? Oh, um, how were you really useful to the Italian delegation at the G7 then? Oh, you know, how are you? Come on, Ben, you're, you're, you've got Italian blood in your veins. How, what do Italians consider to be useful? Oh, g- g- getting decent food, I'd have thought. Getting decent. We had some lovely food. We had a flyby by the Red Arrows. Oh, that uh, great. We had, we had grilled Cornish seafood. And you know that massive crustaceans on a barbecue? Um, yeah. and and a barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm under strict instruction, I've got to say, mm. from the Italian ambassador, oh, ambassador, <laughs> to talk about the G7. And I said when we were, uh, you know, when I was at his table enjoying the seafood and the actually it was a paella and the rice had the flavour of the seafood in it. It was That's divine. Awesome. It was very nice. And you know, sometimes the difference between fish being fishy and fish just being kind of smoky and fresh fish. Do you know the difference? Yeah. Like, and it's it's not kind of, it's right out of the sea. It was just delightful. And then he turned to me and he was like, are you, because I was tr- was selling YDLMF to him. <laughs> I have to say, I was ramming that down his throat as well as crustaceans. <laughs> and he said, oh, you, you have to talk about the G7. And I said, oh, well, you know, that might be a bit dodgy. I thought, well, I'm not going to do it officially. And he was like, you must. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are. Did and he have I've a twinkle say, in his eye? He certainly did. They were absolutely lovely. And I know, you know, I don't say that if I don't mean it. Um, Him and the press guy at the embassy were divine people. But I did get a bit shouted at by by someone who came to join the table because I don't think they do things. Italians do it better, don't they, Ben? I love the way that you're thinking about the Italian ambassador and now you're twirling your hair coquettishly. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what well, I forgot about the Foreign Service? That they're very interesting people. My aunt worked at the Netherlands Embassy. And uh, she was the, the people that we mixed with, like right the way through from cheese to, because obviously that's uh, the, the Dutch cheese. thing. Cheese. The Dutch cheese, touch. tulips, and clogs. Yeah, and we'd kind of get fun stuff when we were kids and just talk to these interesting people who'd obviously you realise when you're kids that that you don't realise about their kind of life stories. And it's actually quite difficult being on the road, but um, just hearing about what their postings and and their interesting stories. And also the Italian, oh yes, and one of those Italians didn't like cheese, which I found quite Didn't like cheese? I know, that's exactly the way I reacted at the table. I have to say, actually, that's not unusual. My dad is an Italian who doesn't like cheese very much. We're making a collection of Italians who don't yeah, like he cheese. Doesn't like, he, doesn't, he doesn't like a lot of dairy products at all. Ben, I don't like dairy products very much. Oh, 
really? Well, that's lucky for him. I love them and I bathe in them. Yeah, tell me about it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a total cheese man. I'm a, I'm a man who loves his cheese. Apparently, that's a swear word for that's what's that's a derogatory term for a Dutch person. What cheese head? Yeah. It's also a type of screw. Is it? Yeah, a screw with like a a circular bulbous top in it is known as a cheese head screw. Like sort of like a big because it looks like a big gouda cheese. But with a slot in it, so you can screw a it. Cast cop. Well, quite cast cop. <laughs> Dumb cop, cast cop. <laughs> it's all delightful, and they were delightful, except when they wanted something, and I was bidding for whatever it was that they decided they wanted, and it couldn't happen because we were all like, "Oh, hang on, we just have to ask number ten, and we'll be back to you. We'll be back with an answer in two weeks." Have you got an answer? Five minutes later, it was all of that. So I was running around, and then at the beginning of the, so it was the Thursday of what's the weekend that it was ended in the thirteenth of June that weekend. Um, they, it, the weather was all, <laughs> why, why are you pulling faces? Are you being a cast cop? I was trying, I was What's hoping that? you'd think that, I was hoping you'd think that my internet, my internet link had frozen. <laughs> was <laughs> I shut up? <laughs> That's so realistic, Ben. And very effective for a podcast, I must say. He's <laughs> doing like some kind of Bell's palsy face. Oh no, you're allowed to say that. <laughs> I thought for a moment you'd had a stroke. You might think I suddenly had a stroke. And then run away with all your wealth. Uh, that's oh, right. Oh, no, sorry, yeah. that's not my job. Oh, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, and so where was I with my story? You were trying I don't know, to boring everyone, I think. It boring. <laughs> <laughs> it's not boring at all, it's fun. I'm oh. very happy that you were mm. down there in, what was it, Carbis Bay or whatever it is, and mm. you were... In, right in the heart of an international diplomatic incident. Oh, yeah. It's it's all about the kind of weird chaos. And then right at the centre, all these people who are like, oh, frightfully nice. Let's go for a walk in the sea, like on the seafront <laughs> and all of that. And then we're running around trying to make everything smooth for them. And um, it, it's all a bit... At one point, somebody ran after... The, we were constantly in vehicles because the roads in Cornwall are too small yeah. for convoys especially potus's convoys so if it was floaters or potus those two cause us no end of problems you try and organize a press conference even if they're out of town they decide to come back you know even if they're heading that way the front of their convoy gets there or the back of their convoy is causing you trouble um and you're doing three point turns in a minute is the, is the potus's special convoy the scrotus <laughs> <laughs> It may as well be, to tell you what, it's really annoying. But yeah, so and at one point, somebody had forgotten something in one of the many vehicles that was departing. And this sort of press lackey was running after this vehicle going, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> like this, and the rest of us just looked at each other and someone went, faulty towers. And the rest of the time, we were, just, we were in faulty towers. And then, of course, the civil service is all sort of suited and booted in this sort of 30 degrees as well. And just going, oh, well, um, I'll, I'll put in a request if, uh, to the Italians. And they're like, oh, no, ma um, cosa dice? Cosa fai? And they're going completely bananas about something that we can't do. And then everyone's like, Stronzo, oh, vaffanculo. I think it's time for a cream tea. <laughs> 
It was hilarious. And talking of hilarity, let's talk about not wearing masks because that's oh, yeah. hilarious. Or are you going to talk this about people with their knockers out the instead, week. Ben? This is my favourite story of the week. This is, uh, I love, I love this headline because it because it's appeared on a Yorkshire website. The headline is Yorkshire Dad facing prison in Singapore after being secretly filmed on train without a face mark. It's actually so guy, quite a good headline till you get to the face mask bit and you think Yorkshire that's boring. Dad. This guy's name is Benjamin Glynn. He's 39 years old. Now, he's been working in Singapore since 2017, so he must know that the Singaporeans are sticklers for the rules and they are very, very strict. And the rules there are that you have to wear a face mark when you're travelling on public transport. In fact, I think you have to wear a face mark when you're out in public, wherever you are. You're saying, he, saying face mark. Face mask. It's face mask. You're saying face mark. Am I? I'm saying, okay, a face yeah. mask then. Okay. And he, now he's a, this guy's obviously a bit of a big mouth and he thinks he knows best. And so he's, mm. he, he believes masks are pointless and fail to protect people from contracting COVID-19. So he didn't wear one. Now a fellow commuter secretly filmed him, put the clip on social media. The cops saw this and went straight round to his house and arrested him an hour later. He was then taken to, to prison, put in a cell for 28 hours. Um, a $500 bond was put up for his uh, release, which apparently nobody nobody sprung. Instead, his family... I his, bet. His wife and two kids immediately went back home. So he's now stuck out in Singapore. Now, he's expected to go on trial, where he's been told it could take as much as 12 months um, before he can go on trial. And when he goes on trial, he could be jailed for up to six months. Good. See um, what can happen to you, Ben, his, for being sorry? a naughty boy. See what can happen yeah. to you with your hatred but, of masks. But but the thing is, I mean, any lawyer will tell you that the, the, the worst possible client you can have is the client who thinks they know best, doesn't really feel any remorse about what they did and thinks that the law is wrong and that they're right. And so everything this guy is saying is guaranteed to put the uh, backs up the Singaporean authorities. He's saying, I don't believe there's any evidence that masks protect you from COVID-19. Normally, I would just tell people I'm exempt. Oh, so you'd lie then. And now I'm stuck here without my family. I don't even know when I'll appear in court and all for something I don't even believe in. It's like, Benjamin, Nobody cares what you believe in. If it's the law, if you're in Singapore and you know they really, really are sticklers for the law there, then just put the fucking mask on, you tit. You know. Um, exactly. But also, where is this fallacy that the mask doesn't protect you? Why is everybody bothering with their masks? Do you believe a mask doesn't protect you from COVID? I don't think it makes a huge difference, if I'm being honest. I think if you're busy coughing and hacking, then, yeah, put a mask on to stop actual globules going. Have you not seen those reconstructions or whatever they're called, the <laughs> mock-ups on telly of how much spit flies out of your mouth when you're talking? Especially you. Yeah, for sure. And, and the thing is, it, but the thing is, it's, it's going around, isn't it? And people have got, people have been vaccinated. Yes, it's a pandemic. Most people, do, I don't know. I wear a mask because it's what, it's what you're supposed to do. And it's a decent thing to do. I don't really particularly want to wear a mask. I'm one of those people who the instant he gets out of a shop, immediately rips the mask off quite theatrically, just to show how much I disapprove of it. Oh, everyone <laughs> loves that moment. Uh, who cares? Do you wear um, a mask all the time then? <laughs> Yeah, I, I even wear a mask in the gym when I'm going in between machines when there are people walking too close to oh, me. Oh, you don't, do you? Yes. 
Oh my god, I was at the gym. I this sweat morning. into that. I mask. mean, I didn't actually. Do you know what? This morning, I've just realised I didn't. Even, I forgot my mask in the car, and so I just couldn't be bothered to go and bed. It, so I just didn't. Did you wear, wear a, a mask pair, an old pair of pants like that woman on that viral thing? She literally takes her thong <laughs> off and puts it around her face. You can, you can see what I was wearing because I'm wearing. I'm still wearing it. Oh yeah, stinky, stinky britches. Absolutely. <laughs> Is that Zumba? Is that what you do at the gym? <laughs> Zumba, no. Anyway, let's get to the real news story, shall Zumba we? Zumba isn't the dance sensation that's sweeping the nation. <laughs> oh, I was talking because that, that, the Italians were in Brazil. Two of them were in the, uh, the Brazilian... Oh, are they big um, Faho fans? Uh, they didn't... Well, yes, they knew a bit about it, but not too Don't much. tell me you didn't talk like, it's your only topic them. of conversation when you meet somebody Mediterranean. Oh, do you know Faho? <laughs> <laughs> No, I had too many to drink and just showed them. Oh. I know. Oh no. oh, no. Oh, no. Foho. Well, was Bojo not. there doing Foho? <laughs> oh, no, no. No, no. No Foho for Bojo. I've got so. pop-ups covering up the real news story here, which is woman thrown out of Weatherspoons for wearing inappropriate <laughs> top. You've got to look at this. What is it? Yorkshire is the Yorkshire examin- examinerlive.co.uk. Have a look at that because it's all these like women and kind of they they bothered to put the skirts on, but the things supposed purportedly holding up their knockers aren't working. Well, they they basically look like two butterflies' wings, don't they? These garments. They do. Is that what... They're like a butterfly prawn. <laughs> a young woman was left humiliated after she said she was kicked out of a Weatherspoons. And for all our international listeners, that is a very unclassy establishment where you can get deals on, like, pints and curry and stuff um, for wearing an inappropriate top. Molly Wood claimed she was told by a male manager she would not be served because her cleavage showing was equal to a man being shirtless. The 20-year-old said her bar boss, who was in his 30s, told her he'd refused service all day to blokes without tops. (laughs) At least they're equal. (laughs) Uh, She said her and her pal, Amy Lee... Hmm, another radio presenter name, also 20, wouldn't be served either because they were dressed unsuitably. And what, it, hang on, are these, are these tops the mock-up of what they wear? I love the fact that they're wearing long, like, slit-up-the-leg skirts um, with trainers, but their boobs are hanging out. No, but they've got jeans on Redding, the other folks, haven't they? They oh, basically yeah, look like they've wrapped a tea mm. towel around their boobs and then around their necks. I think they're um, page three wannabes. I was just really embarrassed, Molly said. She added, we've been in four pubs earlier. Are they from, why am I doing this, uh, no, this um, kind of... They're from Reading. They're, they live I in know. Reading. <laughs> I don't know. I like the accent what I was doing. We've been in four pubs earlier that day and had never been denied entry. We had our knockers out everywhere. <laughs> I told him how sexist it was to compare me to a topless man. Brilliant. We got denied entry to sit down because apparently you're wearing inappropriate wear at a Weatherspoons. And then we asked for the reason. They said it's we are comparable to men taking their tops off. Why are you going to bring men into it? Where's why? Into it? Why with women with bigger boobs are we sexualised to the extent where it's compared to men that don't wear tops? It's sexist to, to say men are, are not allowed to go topless, but they should be. Um, could... Okay, should we, should we wrap it up there? Because yeah, I think we've talked enough there. nonsense for another two weeks, haven't we? Well, that's been Ooh. great. I think I, I, Can I just say something? Yes. Buymeacoffee.com forward slash YDLMF. 
having said that, since you talked to me about this last time we were on, um, I have seen a few other places saying, oh, uh -huh, please buy me a see. coffee. Please buy me a toppy. So maybe it's a to thing. To wear to weather spoons. <laughs> please, yeah, please, <laughs> please buy me a tarty top to wear. <laughs> please buy me a yogurt. Buy me a anything. <laughs> just buy me something. Right. Um, can I just say thank you for your interactions, as ever. Like, even if we don't feature the stuff that is uh, that is proposed because it's shit. No, because because it might not work for the week. Um, we love you calling us an innuendo first. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently last one was an innuendo first. And uh, thanks a lot to Ben Ando for this week putting his microphone, actually switching the microphone Actually turning on. it on for once. So he doesn't sound like he's in a toilet. Well yeah, done, I'm not. Ben. Well, I'm, for once, I'm not in the toilet. Normally, obviously, I am in the toilet, but this week I'm not. <laughs> okay, well, fact, tune in. Okay, in, I've got I've got something to show weeks. you. Talking of talking of toilets, I've got something to oh, show no. you. What? So I went to see my daughter. I'm going to email this so you can put it on our website if you want to. <laughs> but I I went to see my daughter in a university in a university flat in Norwich. New diversity. And I went uh, I went to the toilet in her her place, and oh, they no. have this. Can you see the sink above the toilet? <gasps> That's a sink. That's bonkers, isn't it? It's a little sink on the cistern bit. of the toilet. That's completely crazy. What is that all about? Did you, uh, was it weird washing your hands in the bit that was the toilet? Oh, lovely photo. It is That's a nice really photo, sweet. isn't it? She looks She's really nice. Sweet. You look a bit... I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm sort of ruining that shot. Like but... the... No, you look nice too. But she looks oh, nice. Oh, she's only saying that because it's true. Very proud. Okay. Uh, anything else? Oh, yes, you got... Oh, look. Oh, <laughs> right, have you yeah. put them on social media? Uh, I put them on my Instagram, They're I They're really nice photos, actually. I'm Thank just you. being horrible That's about you because it's you. default. Um, do you know, Ben... That no. last podcast, I was, I was not listening to you, as usual, and you said our email address and got it wrong. Oh, God. You say it then you if you're going to get it right. You didn't let me finish podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and that's where we're going to leave it. We've got to draw a line somewhere. We have. Bye-bye, Victoria. Bye-bye for another bye week. Have fun during oh. your bye week. <laughs> Very good. Don't bye. forget to be curious. <laughs> uh.